Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We ask Heavenly Father that you would reveal to us Christ, the Son of the living God. May he be revealed as Savior, as King. We ask, Father, that you'd speak to our hearts. You know what our needs are. Every need, every person is different. And you have an answer in Christ for all of those needs. Bless, we pray, for the honor and glory of our Redeemer. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This scripture, the Lord Jesus took his disciples off to the north, northeast of uh, uh, Galilee, up under the shadow of Mount Hermon. They were in the area of Caesarea Philippi, taking a short break from their Israelite ministry, taking the opportunity to do some doctrinal teaching. Jesus asked his men, whom do people generally say that I am? I call myself the son of man, but who is it that other people identify me with? Immediately, his various disciples shared what they had heard. Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. This is an extraordinary group of answers. There's variety in them, and then some similarities as well. For example, all of these people that are mentioned here were prophets of God. They were all spokesmen for the Lord in one way or another. But they also had all passed. I might have said they had all died, but that might not be accurate. They they were all gone. John was the most recent. He had been murdered by the king. Elias, which is the New Testament form of Elijah, had been charioted off into heaven. He didn't pro- probably didn't die, but he was gone. And then Jehovah said to Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So people were saying, is Jesus Elijah? Is he the one who's going to come just before the end of all things? I wonder why they picked Jeremiah. Could it be because they had seen Jesus weeping over Jerusalem and others? Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet of the Old Testament. Moses might have been another person named because the Lord had revealed that that, that he was going to raise Moses up uh, and raise up someone to follow in Moses' steps. So there was Moses at the Mount of Transfiguration. Now there's Jesus, and Mo- but very few people were aware of that. Oh, Moses perhaps. Jesus is Moses. 
What these answers indicate is that the common people looked at Christ as a very special person, obviously. He had existence prior to his birth and this life that he was now living. He brought more of the revelation of God, and no one was surprised that he could do miracles like Elijah did. But Jesus basically dismissed these opinions because they were not true. Public opinion is very rarely accurate. I don't know why newscasters just delight going out into the street and saying, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Uh, very rarely is it accurate. Then Jesus asked, after dismissing these other ideas, but whom do ye say that I am? What is your opinion here? He didn't, appoint, he didn't point to one disciple. But by using the pronoun ye, he asked all of them, Whom do ye say that I am? I wonder if anyone else got a chance to speak before Peter piped up. What would Andrew have said? We looked at Andrew a couple of weeks ago. Would it have been the same as after his first meeting with Jesus? We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And through this, he brought his brother Peter to the Lord. And would the Apostle Philip have repeated what he said to uh, his brother Nathaniel? We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. We don't know if anyone else got an opportunity to answer Jesus' question directly because Peter elbowed his way into the conversation and quite correctly said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We know who you are. Taking Jesus' question and moving forward, my question to you this morning is this. How important was Jesus' question to these men. Mm. How important is that question to you, especially in the light of the fact that you say you are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus? Can a person become a child of God simply by asking Jesus to come into his heart, never going a step beyond that? I'm not saying that there are not Christians who started their Christian life with that. But if that's where they stopped, then perhaps we should wonder about their spiritual condition. Is the Jesus who so many professing Christians trust for salvation, is he the same Jesus that Peter referred to in our scripture? This is an important question. At least... Peter and Paul and James and all the rest of the Bible writers, they thought it was an important question. When Paul first arrived in the Macedonian town of Thessalonica, he, as his manner was, went into the Jewish synagogue and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, Jesus is the Christ. 
Acts chapter 17, 2 and 3. Who suffered and died and rose again? Before naming Jesus, Paul asserted that it was Christ. And then in the next chapter, Apollos earned the wrath of the Jews, for he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing, that, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. If your Savior is not the Christ, then you don't have the biblical Savior. If your theology has stopped with Jesus only, you may not, and I'm not being dogmatic, you may not be a child of God. Moving beyond Jesus, let's consider that title, Christ. Christ is the New Testament equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah. When Andrew first met Jesus... Becoming convinced of whom he had met, he findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, by interpretation, the Christ. John 1.41 Andrew was a Jew. He was probably well versed in the language of the Old Testament. His first thought was that Jesus was the Messiah, which in the Greek language is exactly the same as Christ. And then for some reason or other, just think about this, it's kind of out of the blue. The woman in Samaria that Jesus met, when she was finished speaking to the Lord, or excuse me, as she was speaking to the Lord, she said, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. So here's this Samaritan woman reaching back into the Old Testament and pulling out this word and tying it to the word that was used commonly at that point in time. I'm just trying to establish before you that Christ and Messiah are referring to the same person using two different languages. Second, I need you to understand that the Bible ties together Christ and the Son of God. Christ and the Son of God. Peter correctly declared... Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. After a particularly pointed discussion about salvation and the person of Christ, we're told in John 6, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In John 11, Lazarus' sister Martha said, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Without multiplying a bunch of other scriptures, which I could do, it is safe to assume that the Bible teaches and people in Jesus' day believed that the Messiah would be the very special Son of God. So when the high priest was interrogating Jesus, he demanded, 
I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Certainly, Christ was and is the Son of God. Yes. Not just by birth, but shall we say theologically as well. This is important. Christ and Messiah, same thing. Christ, Son of God, same thing. Okay? Third, without a doubt, Christ is the Savior. Yes. God intended to send His Son into the world to redeem sinners like us. At Jesus' birth, the angels told the shepherds, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Luke chapter 2, verse number 11. After the testimony of the woman at the well, many Samaritans put their trust in Christ Jesus, and they said to her, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. John 4, 42. 1 Timothy 1, 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus is come into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And after healing the lame man at the temple's beautiful gate, Peter testified in Acts chapter 4, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here whole before you. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby ye must be saved. And what name is that? Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus is the Savior. So, thus far we have Jesus the Messiah, who is also the Christ, the Son of God, redeeming sinful men because He is the Savior. If you have not been saved by Christ the Messiah, then you are not really saved. I'm not saying that from day number one, you had to understand all of this. But if at any point in time you deny this, then there is something wrong with your faith. If the Son of God didn't die on the cross, shedding His blood for your redemption, then you are not redeemed. Each one of these terms refers to the same person. The Savior, yes. the Lord Jesus Christ. Moving on, what's the meaning of the title Christ? What is the meaning of Messiah? The word Christ is used a whopping 537 times in the New Testament. Write that down, there will be a quiz later. 537 times the word Christ is found in the New Testament. 
And the Greek word from which it is translated is used 32 times beyond that. So it's used a, a lot of times. We find it very common and it's a very important word. For example, in 1 Corinthians, every chapter contains the word Christ. It is used in 1 Corinthians almost as many times as we find the name used in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all combined. Paul spoke of Christ in every one of his letters except for the, book to, the letter to Titus for some reason or other. Just, it just didn't come up there. I cannot ex stress enough how often all the gospel writers use the name or the, use the name Christ. But nearly a third of the time it is used in conjunction with Jesus. We read Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And then there's an additional 82 times when the Bible speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks of Jesus Christ so often that Christians tend to forget the meaning of the word. We hear it so frequently, we use it so often, that we think that Christ is a part of the name of the Lord. Like George Washington, David Oldfield, Jesus Christ. But Christ isn't a part of Jesus' name. It refers to his office. It's like saying, Jesus the Messiah, George Washington the President, or Pastor Oldfield. In both Hebrew and Greek, Christ and Messiah mean the Anointed One. Either word could be translated, anointed, or the Anointed One. When Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he in effect was saying, You are the Anointed One, the Son of God. This meant something special to those people who knew the language in those days. This meant something specific to the well-taught Jew. But it has been lost to most Christians in the 21st century. He's just Jesus Christ. The Old Testament scriptures foretold the coming of a great deliverer, greater than Moses, greater than Joshua, greater than David. Earlier, we read from Psalm 2, which begins with the question, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain, empty, useless, stupid thing. Why are they imagining these stupid things against God? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against Jehovah and against his anointed. They say, let us break their bands asunder, cast away their cords from us. The unbelievers in this world almost from day number one have been saying, we will not have this God ruling over us. We do not want this God or his anointed, his Messiah, to rule over us. But that psalm went on. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. 
I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Son, ask of me, I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, be wise, therefore, O kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their faith in him, their trust in him. Before we move on, focus on what the psalm is saying. This world of wicked men, willful men, woke men, witless men, refuse to admit there is a God in heaven who rules over all things and will judge all things. Want none of that. The triune God has his son, his anointed, ready to sit on the throne of judgment. And he will break those godless kings and judges with a rod of iron. It's almost too late to begin serving the Lord with fear, rejoicing with trembling. But it is not too late. By the time of the birth of Christ, the anointed Son of God, the Jewish world was anxiously awaiting him. When is it going to come? So when John came along, people asked him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not Christ. I am not the anointed one. But then, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he saw the Lord Jesus. And what he said was, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Slowly, some of his hearers, like Andrew and Philip, or Andrew and the others, turned toward Jesus and correctly said, We have found the Messiah. We have found that one which, being interpreted, is the Christ. John said, Lamb. Andrew said, Messiah. Why did he tie those things together? Those titles, those, the person together. Again, when many of his more shallow disciples were leaving him, Jesus asked the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and we are sure that thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Generally speaking, there are three kinds of anointings that we find in the Bible. There are three classes of people who were anointed. People who, literally speaking, were messiahed. Anointed. The first group of people were God's priests, beginning with Aaron. Moses, thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Psalm 133 suggests that Aaron was drenched 
in the oil of his anointing. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even to Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. That oil was a part of the ceremony which set Aaron apart for the service of the Lord, consecrating him to that work. The second class of men whom God ordained to be anointed were kings. After Samuel anointed the first king of Israel, he was later sent to Bethlehem to anoint the second king. When the prophet ordered Jesse to bring his youngest son before him, Jesse sent and brought David in. Now David was ruddy and with all a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. He messiahed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Verse Samuel 16. The third group of men anointed by God were his prophets. And usually that was in a special way. For example, Elijah threw his mantle over Elisha and anointed him in that way. More importantly, the Lord anointed his prophets with his spirit and his message. I'll refer to that again just in a minute. But there's another important anointing which no ordinary human being has ever been privileged to experience. I'm referring to the anointing of the Messiah, the Messiah, the Christ. Remembering Peter's words, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Please turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew the third chapter. Verse number 16. Remembering Peter's words, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, we look at Jesus' baptism. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and all the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God, John saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Christ. And a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Remember what God said in Psalm 2. After speaking of his anointed, his Messiah, God called him my son. And what did God say about the one upon whom the Holy Spirit descended at that baptism? My son. My son. Now turn to Luke 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee from Judah in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse number 14 tells us. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 14. That when he came to his hometown of Nazareth, he went into the synagogue where he was given a copy of the book of Isaiah. Verse 17. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of them all, all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to this ministry. I'm not going to be dogmatic about this because as far as the chronology goes, it's probably not important. But there are a good many scholars who say that Jesus actually and physically became the Christ, the anointed one, at his baptism when the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon the Savior. As I say, it's not very important. In Luke 4.18, Christ said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. He has messiahed me. He has Christed me to preach the gospel. Those scholars say that Jesus became Christ the Messiah when the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, go back to Peter's confession in... Matthew 16, it should be in your memory banks there. Jesus asked, whom do, you say, whom do ye say that I am? Thou art the Christ, thou art the anointed one. Thou art the one foretold in the Old Testament as the especially anointed of God. And anointed for what purpose? To be the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. Christ is the superlative prophet and teacher, revealing the Godhead like unlike anyone else ever has before. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that we need to kiss in faith and love because that king is going to sit upon a judgment throne to judge everyone and everything. Furthermore, Christ Jesus is the highest of all high priests after the order of Melchizedek, not Levi. This priest not only made the highest of all offerings, but offered himself a sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Here is what is meant by Christ. Here's what is meant by Messiah. Again, I ask you, how important is Jesus' question and your answer in the light of your need of salvation? The disciples in John 6 said, We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the men of Samaria said unto the woman, We now believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. Both the disciples and the men of Samaria, along with hundreds of others, have said, we believe. We believe. The visitor from Ethiopia asked Philip in Acts 6, see, here's some water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. 
And the man said, I believe that Jesus Christ, the anointed one, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Was that his salvation? His salvation testimony? On more than one occasion, demons cried out to Christ, saying things like, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come to come hither to torment us before the time? Satan and his demons know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Your faith must be more than that in order to be one of Jesus' disciples. You have to go beyond that. Faith may be expressed in three words. It may be belief, which relates to some testimony. Hey, I believe that. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is the belief of a demon. A creature that will spend eternity under divine judgment. But faith can also mean trust. Particularly when it comes to a promise. But perhaps more importantly, faith involves acceptance. Reception of that thing that was believed. It's very important to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But more importantly, for you personally, is faith in the sense of the trust that you put in to the anointed Son of God. As a sinner, as a sinner, you need the only sacrifice which God accepts which is the sacrifice of his own blessed son that took place on Calvary. You must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, but you must also believe on him in the sense of accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Whom do you say that Jesus the Messiah is? Can you say... With all confidence, He is my Savior. I love Him. I worship Him as the Son of God. He is the one with whom I will spend eternity because He has shed His blood for me. Is that your testimony? Is there salvation available without that kind of testimony? This is the Jesus you need, the Son of God, the Anointed, the Savior. This is the Jesus you need. Is He your Savior? By faith in Christ Jesus. Please stand.